It's Wednesday, March 20th, 2019, and you're listening to episode 509 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 59 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. My name is Chad. And this is Caleb. All right, so we were going to do a player's Christmas this episode. Stomped right on over. Yeah, so we're going to put that off for an episode because Chad has something a bit more, I I would say timely because it's on our mind. It's not timely as in it's tied to current events, but it's more hot on our mind. So that's the subject we're talking about. We will come back and do a player Christmas next episode. But before we get to that, we're going to talk a little bit about something that we're trying to do in place of a Fear the Con this year, since we're looking at bringing Fear the Con back next year. But as we mentioned in previous episodes, some life situations kept us from doing one this year. But Caleb, Mm -hmm. I'm going to pass it off to you to have you talk about it. Sure. Um, Yeah, we've been talking uh, randomly on the Discord and on the forums and Facebook and all over the place, kind of trying to figure out what uh, the fans wanted to do. Some of them were wanting to do an online con, so we talked about doing that. And the uh, Happy Jacks Jacker Con uh, fans of Happy Jacks have their own convention uh, that they do quarterly. It's been a little less over the years, but they're planning on doing one in the same time frame that we would normally do Fear the Con. So we're going to go ahead and try to see if we can work out some way that we can uh, get a bunch of the Fear the Con fans to support that idea. And if they do, we can uh, have a small convention of some sort in lieu of that. Uh, We've had some talk with some of the people that are... This is all online. Yeah, all online through either Discord as the main audio source, or if you really want to, you can do Skype. Uh, But we'll have it all uh, set up so that it, Discord can handle it. And we'll also have a sign-up on uh, the JackerCon site. We'll give links to that eventually when we have it ready. And the GMs and all that can sign up and pre-set up their games, just like any other convention. But then you join on to a Discord a connection, essentially, and you can play your game through that. We'll have s- some examples of how to do that, uh, some instruction, that kind of thing available for the GMs and the players who want to who join in. So if people are interested in this, I know that there was like sort of an informal poll running on Mm -hmm. Discord. Uh, Is there a particular place we want them to go to express interest in this or to get involved? Well, there's the three places that we've been using have been the Discord channel, uh, having a conversation. There's a contact group. Yeah, but there's 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 specifically uh, Zylo. He's Mm -hmm. one of our users. Actually, he started the Discord server that we use. He's our moderator over there as well. He has a pinned post where it says, if you're interested in taking part, this is not a sign up. This is we're trying to figure out if people are interested. If you're interested in playing or running or participating in this con or whatever, we have a boot, fear the boot icon, like emoticon sort of thing. That's their version of like on Discord that you can click and it tracks the number of times it's been clicked or, you know, give a thumbs up or whatever for that icon. And when it reaches a certain number, then we know that we have plenty of people to do this. Yeah. I think the last I checked, it's up to like 55 we're shooting for like 70. That might be a little on the high side, but hell, if we blow that away, all yeah. the better. So yeah. if you are interested in doing this and you want to learn more, you want to get involved, you want to run something, play something, even just click on that little boot icon, that like icon, just so you can get a head count of people that are interested. Go to our Discord channel, and if you scroll down the list of discussion areas, 
on the left side, you will see an area called Fear the Con Gone Digital. And within that is a discussion topic called Con Talk. And you can go in there to ask, say, whatever it is you want to do. And there is also something that it doesn't appear to be pinned now. I'll see if I can get him to pin it to the top of that. That's where where you're going to go to click the little boot. So you want to go. So, Dan, how do they find the Discord? Oh, I'll put a link to the Discord channel in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And if we get enough people and we do this, I will run at least one Transformers game. What? Yeah. There's there's also, if you cannot, if you're having troubles with getting on the Discord or whatever, go on the forums. There's in the con posts, there's stuff about this. You can post questions there or help get me on the Discord, that kind of thing. And because there's just not enough community fragmentation on social media platforms, yeah. Our, yeah. Fe- our Facebook group is also very yep. active and yep. talking about it as well, I believe. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> God knows there's not enough social media platforms right now. Right. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, stick around. We'll be giving our Telegram and Kayak <laughs> oh, and Douche Canoe <laughs> links soon. <laughs> anyway, all right, so our topic for today, as I said, this is kind of timely-ish. So, Chad, take it away. This was so, your idea. It was kind of my idea on Discord, but not our Discord. So, a lesser, a Discord. lesser version, a lesser Discord server. Uh, gamers Table. Eric's, ah, yes. What he calls a podcast. The, such a thing. Can, children of a lesser god on the right. east side of the Mississippi. <laughs> yes. <laughs> on Eric's podcast, they just did an episode where they talk about the Skies of Glass game. And uh, before everybody starts, like, jamming the stop button on their thing, this is not going to be a Skies of Glass episode. There's some inspiration here for the topic. So him and Brandon were talking about their characters and that sort of thing. And Eric recently just lost a character. Uh, His character got killed hard. Spoilers. Yep. Well, you know, (laughs) there are no spoilers with Skies of Glass because it takes four hours to listen to it. And it comes out sort of trickled out. So True. if you if we put spoilers on ourselves to where we can't talk about it, the spoiler window would have to be like a year long. Yeah. <laughs> Either we talk about it or we never talk about it. Particularly you it. who are listening to it, Caleb. That's okay. Right. I'm actually caught caught up mostly. I'm right By the before way, Caleb, that happens. Eric's character die in the episode i'm listening to i just haven't yes. got to Have it you yet gotten to that i'm yet? like right before it oh yes yes <laughs> literally you guys are traveling to the place where this happens so Excellent. i'm so i'm so happy i spoiled yeah. that for you <laughs> that's okay i knew it was happening so to get back to it though they talked a bit about it and so they were talking about it on the gamers table mm-hmm. discord about the episode and stuff and there's a a gentleman on there uh whose handle is gaming with gage who also runs a podcast i believe yes it's, and called you gaming, were on that called gaming with gage yeah mm-hmm. shockingly called <laughs> gaming with gage yeah, yeah. i uh, think he's on our discord too yeah he, yeah mm-hmm. you wouldn't believe what the people on the fear the boot discord <laughs> what podcast that's affiliated with <laughs> i don't i can't even imagine <laughs> so uh gaming with gage and i gay i i guess i should say gage and i we were talking about Junior, Eric's character, mm-hmm. and Junior's death. Specifically about a problem that I am having with my character. Not, not a huge problem. Not like an, oh no, we've got to talk about all this. More like, it's an interesting thought thing for my character. Junior has an NPC mm-hmm. that was tied physically and metaphorically to his character. It was not a sort of group NPC. It was his NPC. Not that he ran it. It was just so tied in specifically to his character. Mm-hmm. So in this last game, a situation came up and stuff happened that I won't spoil for you, Caleb. Oh, okay. I have a one spoiler limit. A, a situation came up where I was sitting there thinking, this NPC of Junior's, 
I might be able to leverage that in this situation. I'm not sure it would work, but I had some ideas. And I was thinking about, okay, should I start pitching the idea to the other guys? Should I start maybe, you know, getting feelers out to Dan to see how on board he would be with my idea of using this NPC? But I, I didn't bring any of it up. And the reason I didn't is because I was sitting there thinking, this is Eric's NPC. Again, not one that he played. This is Junior's NPC that that story was tied to. And Junior's story, not the overall story, but Junior's story ended with his death. Also, I was getting the sense, and I could be totally wrong here, but I was getting the sense that maybe Dan, because Junior died, was moving away from this NPC a little bit. This is Emma, the AI, mm-hmm. talking about if you follow the show. Junior's wife. J- Junior's <laughs> waifu, yeah. So I look at it completely different in the case of Emma. I have reached out to and talked to Emma since Junior's character died and asked Emma for things. Because when I look at Emma as an NPC, I look at her at this point, she's tied to plot. Well, She's in, part of the bigger world. So It's not like if during the first part of the campaign, if he, Lee would have died, I would have felt that way about Casey. Yeah, because Casey was Lee's NPC. Right. Emma has elevated beyond well, Junior's well, NPC. Well, see, see to that me. that was one of the points I was going to get to. That specific reason was another reason I didn't do it. Yeah, let me give a, another metaphor here for what we're talking about from a gaming system. I'm going to guess pretty much everyone listening can relate to D and D. All right, so in D and D, particularly in older editions, there was the retainer mechanic. Uh, in second edition, it was a non-combat proficiency sort of perk you could take so let's say for example that you are a paladin all right and let's say i'm just making this up let's say you're eighth level and along comes a first or second level paladin who becomes your understudy and so you are mentoring this paladin you're teaching this paladin the religion you're teaching this paladin combat you're getting them situated in the world and figuring out you know, what sort of lands they're going to work and all that kind of stuff. Kind of like Happy Jacks came along and started doing your your lawn and you're teaching them the ropes. Exactly. (laughs) And and so if we're looking at this from a podcast metaphor, if Fear the Boot was suddenly disappear, Happy Jacks would have no context. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And in the case of this role-playing game, now imagine you have this retainer. So let's say I'm GMing, the three of you are playing, and Wayne's a bard, Chad's a wizard, Caleb's a paladin. Why would Wayne ever be a bard? I don't know. <laughs> he makes a lot of poor decisions. And so let's say Caleb's True. a safe level paladin. Mm-hmm. He's got this first or second level understudy, but it's his understudy. Right. And then his paladin dies. Yeah. Well, this was an NPC that I was playing as an extension of Caleb's character story. This NPC cannot learn what this NPC needs to learn as an understudy. From a wizard, mm-hmm. and you can't learn from a bard. <laughs> so you learn how to whore around. Know, and you that's can, about yeah, it. Yeah, they, they're, they're jacks of all trades. So you know they 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 have like knowledge books. You can just go pull out and go. That's Here's true. your paladin book. It, right. They might have like you know a coloring book of Torm or something. <laughs> I heard a song about a paladin once. <laughs> <laughs> but you're left with the question of so how does this NPC fit into the right. party now? Right. And do, what do you do? Do you simply remove the understudy? Do they just be like? wow, that sucked. I guess I better go back to the monastery or whatever yeah. they came from and you know go back there and learn from somebody else. But Do- like in the Skies of Glass case, to extend the metaphor, 
what if the understudy is really, really important to the plot? Like the yes. overall, like what you're saying, Wayne, yep, right. where it, it's not Junior's NPC anymore. Yep. It's the plot's NPC. The yep. understudy and, has now become the adopted son of the big bat. Right. And, right. And to me, that's what one of the problems was. Again, I think problem is maybe too strong of a word, but that was one of my thoughts that stopped me was, well, wait a minute. This isn't Junior's NPC anymore. This isn't the group's NPC either. Yeah, this is the plot's NPC. It's evolved mm-hmm. beyond what yeah. it originally was. And I was getting the sense, again, I could be totally wrong, but I was getting the sense that maybe Dan was moving away from the NPC, that it was elevated to a really high plot level and our interactions with it were slowing and slowing. And again, that's very interpretive of me. She could come rocketing back you know, number one with a bullet in the next game for all I know, but these or were, nuke. Yeah. Or nuke. And these <laughs> were the thoughts that, that I had going through my head and in talking on the discord with gauge about it, I was kind of like, we were throwing some ideas back and forth. And I said, one of the things that could happen is that Gil, my character quote unquote, metaphorically adopts the NPC. And now Gil is, the conduit for that NPC, just like Junior was the conduit of the NPC. And we got to talking back and forth. I'm like, do I, Chad, even want that? Does my character Gil, how would he respond to it? Because what Gage was saying is, well, Gil would never do that because, you know, Gil hates everybody and he's a bully. I'm like, no, Gil has a very bent, twisted version of what a family is. And Gil sees Emma as family, even though... He doesn't like her or doesn't like the AI. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay, I could see that. And I'm like, here's the problem, though. Gil abuses his family. He abu- The only way he knows how to show love is through abuse. And then he- Gage was like, oh, and then he would abuse her, and then the missiles would start raining down. And I'm like, without a doubt. <laughs> yeah. But If I were still playing Boone, Boone would have been a good character sure. to adopt her. Scott sees her as a tool. Yeah. She's a object to be used versus... There's a lot of algebra to making that decision of should Gil adopt the NPC or not? Or can he or should he or why would he? There's a whole lot of moving pieces to that. I played a D&D game many, many years ago. And we had a player who had a character that was a, a druid and it had a pet dog. And he didn't like the druid. If you go back into the archives, there's a whole story about this. It was a generic druid that wouldn't leave the woods, but was also trying to burn the woods down. It was this was the potato eating dog story. So anyway, (laughs) he basically you know murderated the character so that he could make a new one. The dog didn't die, which was fine. My character adopted the dog, and it was great. There was good role playing. It was fun. I enjoyed the dog. It was really cool. It was really interesting. There were little role playing moments with that. Emma ain't a dog. <laughs> Emma's nothing like a dog. Emma is way more important than a dog. Oh, yeah. Okay, so yeah. let's let's start with that question right there as our first point of evaluation. When you're looking at such an NPC, the first call you have to make is stay or go. Mm-hmm. And now there are now certain- are you saying this as a game master or as a player? I guess I'm saying this in the sense of a participant. Gotcha. So somebody who is at the table, somebody who is playing the game in any capacity, mm-hmm. including as the game master, is you have to decide from a story standpoint, do you want to keep exploring this person or are you done with them? Now, if you're going to keep exploring this person, 
I think there are several ways you can do that and several roles you can put them in. So when I say make this call, I am suggesting that if you make the call of go, this is a hundred percent go. Yes. If it's even one percent stay, we're going to handle that in the next subset of options. But you may look at the person and say, you know, it really just doesn't make sense anymore. They don't have any context with mm-hmm. the group. They don't have any context in the plot. You know, and a simple survey of the table will get you an answer to this. You can just ask, hey, is anyone really still deeply interested in this NPC story? Is the game master? Do they have plans for this character? And if not, there's always ways for them to leave. I mean, they could just ghost out from the game master's perspective. If there isn't a lot of plot hinging on them, then they could just not participate, and the players will just forget about them. Forget about them. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's yeah. you. You can see this in any number of interpersonal situations that people go through all the time, where you leave a job and then you lose contact mm-hmm. with buddies you had at that job. You know, if you get one person cut off, if it's a friend of a friend and you lose that middle friend, well, then you have no contact with that friend of a friend anymore. Mm-hmm. So I think in the case, going back to the first leg of the Skies of Glass game, I think Casey is a good example. Yeah. With Casey and Lee, I think if Lee had left, it would be a lot harder to argue for good reason for Casey to stick around. I don't think he would have gone back to St. Louis because he had too much history there, but I think it's much more likely he would have found some place out of the way to settle down and he didn't have a real compulsion apart from Lee to be wandering the wilderness adventuring. There's something else I would think about too, from a meta standpoint of why did this character become orphaned? Was it that the original player character died or is the person leave the group? Right. Or did the person die? Mm -hmm. I've since I've had that twice, that that's actually something I think about. If an NPC was attached to a character that the player was no longer around, I'm much more likely to make that NPC disappear mm. because it reminds me of the player. Yeah. It's interesting because I, I, I think of it in the, like the Vampire of the Masquerade rule style where they have the contacts is one of the purchasable point-based systems. You can purchase a contact, mm-hmm. a high, high-level contact that ends up being plot-based usually, uh, but you have a contact that can provide plot. Yeah. And they purchase that as a point level. So in this case, you're you're purchasing the plot, but in some games, they have a specific point value tied to it. So as long as there's no point value tied to that, then the character, I, in my opinion, is up to whoever the GM is running it to make the ultimate call. But definitely asking the players, is this something you're going to explore? Is this something you're going to look into? Do you really care if this guy just isn't part of the plan? Is it going to matter? Right. Is it going to affect your story? And that's a big yeah. part is, well, what is the effect on the story? We keep talking about Emma. Emma evolved from a player NPC where that mm-hmm. player was the only one communicating with it to plot powerful NPC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not the same scale as the guy that's carrying your bags for you. Yeah. No. Or your dog. Or your dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, for that reason alone, I think Emma's going to be hard to totally write out. She could be pushed away into the background. Mm-hmm. And I could give any number of reasons why she would largely disappear. I can tell you game master to player, and I don't mind saying this, this is something I would have told you around the table anyway. The reason she's been so quiet lately is partially because she's introspecting mm-hmm. and also because she's growing. Sure. She's kind of in a metamorphizing phase, you know, and so that's why she's been so quiet lately. I was also trying to account for some travel times because she was doing some things with, some of the other NPCs yeah. that 
simply needed time to get back to well, Amboy. And, and in the past couple of games, there's been some time dilation type stuff where, like you said, we've been traveling and we're not going to role play every second of every right. mile of, of travel. So it's just like, okay, you go, you go, you go, you're there. And then we get somewhere, and especially with what happened at the warehouse, that was so huge. It took up a large part of the game. And then the aftermath took up a large part of the game. When in reality, that was like an hour. Yeah, it wasn't you know? long. I mean, however long it was, it wasn't long. So really, the weird time dilation stuff, we're not going to role play with her on the travel thing. Because yeah. the travel is like, okay, tick-tock, you go here, good. You're, does anyone do anything on the way? Nope, good, we're good. And the combat and the aftermath is, we're not role playing with her anyway, because it's too short. Yeah. It, it doesn't yeah. come up. So let's talk about if you're going to keep the person around. I think there are a couple ways that you can look at keeping the person around. Mm -hmm. One is, I suppose, in pure periphery, which is they are there only insofar as they are providing moments of interest to the party. For example, if we had done something with Casey, let's say Lee had died and Casey disappeared, I probably would have said, well, Casey goes to this town. And if you guys had gone to that town looking for Casey, he would have still been there. You know, my game does have object permanence. It's not sure. like the moment he leaves your sight, he ceases to exist. If I was to do something similar with Emma, which I'm not, mm -hmm. but it would still be such that if you went looking for her, she would still be there. If you tried to communicate with her, there would still be something on the other end. You could look at this also in a purely functional context. Let's say the NPC was your healer in a fantasy game. Mm -hmm. And the party just kind of needs that healer around because you're running a combat-heavy game. And so maybe the healer doesn't say a whole lot. There's not a lot of character exploration. But you just accept that they keep following the party around. And maybe every so often they do a little bit of RP or throw out some plot hints or something. But 95% of the time they're just in the background somewhere out of focus. You keep them there just in the periphery. Just so much that they they're barely have a toe in the game. I just came to the realization that Molly's spaceship was the player character and she was the NPC. Because we haven't really interacted with her much at all since her spaceship got blown up. Well, so that, <laughs> that was another thing. Like, Molly is a person who is a group NPC in the game. Yeah. She's yeah. not attached to anybody, but she is attached to the group. And she is fading into the background, yeah. not because no one wants to adopt her, no one wants to interact with her. It's the situation has changed a little bit, and then she got severely injured. Yeah. So to yeah, right. interact with her on an ongoing basis, at least for me, is something that I hate. And I brought this up before. It's something that I hate in role-playing games. It's the medical drama. It's just super boring to me. Interacting with Molly would be all about her injuries and her recoveries and right. getting her help and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And I hated doing that for my character. Yeah. I needed that. And now that she's rebounded, right. I've actually been thinking about her by pure coincidence. Yeah. I need to develop her more. Yeah. If she either needs to disappear or she needs to be developed more, right. because right now she is playing that. She is that peripheral NPC. Yeah. yeah. She's yeah. there when you guys need someone to make a mechanics check mm -hmm. or would you guys need hearts to carry something? Yeah. Yep. And that's the only role she's playing. Otherwise, yeah. she almost never says anything. She's yeah. this peripheral PC to hearts. Yeah. Because you interact yeah. with hearts way more than you oh, interact actually with her. You do. So, <laughs> and so she's an example of a peripheral yeah. NPC, even though nobody died yep. to detach her. And I wanted to bring that one up because in the beginning of the campaign, she wasn't. We interacted with her a lot in the beginning of the campaign. Yeah. And it's not mm -hmm. that she isn't interesting. 
It's just that there were certain situations that come up. One of the problems with this game, and again, problem is way too strong of a word here, but I don't have any other. One of the problems with this game is that it is a large ensemble cast of both PCs and NPCs. We have a friggin' church rolling around in this truck. <laughs> you do. And it is just a lot of people to keep track of. It was something that you said earlier in the episode, Dan, that really struck me is, well, you need to have a conversation with your players about, is this NPC something that interests you? When I run a game, I really believe that plot lines and NPCs are a marketplace. You put them out there, yeah. you, you show them, and either people are going to walk through the market and say, that NPC is interesting... Or it is not, and they walk by, and that's okay. You know, it's okay for them to walk by, and you just ghost out the NPC. The ones that they do like, you start building up and making interesting. The cool thing about that method is that the NPC that they're just not interested in, you can pull back, ghost them, and then retool them, and then mm-hmm. represent them in a different way, as it may be a different NPC. But what really struck me about what you said is, I really think that we need to have a sit down with the group and say, okay, this is a large raft of characters here. <laughs> Who are you interested in? Now, we're not going to take them out back like old Yeller. <laughs> yeah. But this isn't Broder's game. There's only so many threads that a game master can handle at any one time. There's no reason to have a whole church bus yeah. full of people because it's and, not necessary. Well, and some of them just are so tied together. Yeah. So if you want the snake, then you have to have Peyton, and then you have to have his grandpa. I like Peyton. The snake is an interesting tool and fluff, and I'll be honest with you, I don't care about the grandpa. Yeah. Not a bad character. Yeah, well, the, but... gra- the grandpa was a means to an end. Well, he was <laughs> he was a an explanation yeah. of the relationship between Peyton, the little kid, mm-hmm. and the crazies that were living in the ruins of chicago yes i mean that's what the purpose of the grandfather was i kind of presupposed that there would come a point where the two of them would probably jump ship together mm-hmm. that was supposed to happen in st louis and Thanks, then junior junior that up. eric decided yeah. to tell everyone you guys were something you weren't and that whole <laughs> it all went pear-shaped. yeah that all went pear-shaped I, I really do get the sense in playing the game that these are characters who shouldn't be here anymore. No, yeah. they were not meant to and, be. They were supposed to depart at St. Louis. And that's great, <laughs> because they're not supposed to be there yeah. anymore, and it really works, and, they and don't, it's very uncomfortable. And that's part of why they're there, is they don't know where else to go anymore. Yeah. So I think that is another example of right now, Peyton and his grandfather yeah. have become peripheral NPCs. The most active of your NPCs is probably number one is Fat Tony. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, probably number two is, like you hearts, said, it's hearts. hearts. Yeah. And Emma is somewhere in a middle state right now. So let's talk about the second way that you can keep someone involved other than the periphery. And that's that you look at their ties to other characters. Mm-hmm. So let's say that, going back to our D&D example, that we had this paladin that's an understudy. And let's say you guys are level eight and the paladin's level two. All right, so the paladin's really not providing you mechanically anything significant. They, let's just say for sake of argument, don't have anything of plot significance to offer. But maybe over the course of time, this NPC and Chad's wizard have a budding romance or bromance or I don't know, whatever it is that's going on. Or they My old wizened wizard yes. has a romance with the young underage understudy. It happens. 
No, <laughs> not for me. It's, it was very Greek. <laughs> no, no, I'm gonna, gonna, gonna go with okay, hard no fight. You, it's it's a grandfather, whatever it yes. is, right? Okay, you guys, oh have, yeah, grandfather. You guys yeah. have religious debates all the time, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. All right, but the yeah. point is that there's, there's no Torm. He's literally right there. He's standing <laughs> there, old man. But I don't believe in him. You know, I have some kind of character tie to the rest of the party, even mm-hmm. though the original point of buy-in is gone. And so this character is going to retain a relevance to the party. And I think, for example, Fat Tony is a great example of this. This is why there is no single person at the table, if their character died, would cause Fat Tony to leave. Now, if there's a TPK, yeah, he'd probably disappear. But he has ties to many of the people at the table. Scott used to be a hitman of his, and he knew Gil from the prison, and, well, knew most of you guys from the prison, and so on and so forth. So Fat Tony has a reason to stick around that is because of the fact that he has relationships with other characters. And he's even developed relationships with the new characters, like Marlene, who isn't from where they're originally from, which which was a prison, but someone relatively new, and through role-playing they've developed a relationship. Fat Tony is a group NPC. He goes Mm -hmm. with the group and is part of the group. No one has to adopt him. He's there. Like, say, Peyton. Peyton's a little kid that we picked up. And if his grandfather dies and he loses his snake, really, would the group be like, okay, kid, next town, you're getting off the church bus. (laughs) (laughs) Because, uh, yeah, you have no use for us anymore. I I don't know either It's hard to role-play that out. Well, because, I mean, on the one hand, taking a 10-year-old kid and kicking them out in the middle of post-nuke America Mm. is a horrible thing to do. But at the same time, taking a 10-year-old kid on a bus tour of post-Nuke America (laughs) is is an equally horrible idea. So I don't know what would happen to him. But I mean, certainly would raise the conundrum because of the fact that he doesn't have an obvious tie to any other character. Now, he has done some role-playing with Marlene. Mm -hmm. But it's not really clear that he has a strong interpersonal tie to anyone, at least strong enough to say, yeah, he would obviously stick around. But... You can make the argument that Marlene, which is Brodor's character, would metaphorically adopt Peyton, take him under his wing, and, that, and Peyton would be a Marlene NPC. Now, my question would be, how would you make that happen? Would you, as the game master, when you're assessing this gigantic Lord of the Rings size ensemble cast, would you go to Brodor and say, you know what, I'm kind of cutting the excess fat here? Peyton and Marlene have a relationship, not that kind of relationship. They have a relationship. Do you want to adopt him? Do you want me to keep Peyton around? And if so, are you going to role play with him? Yeah. I mean, look, they do this in TV shows. I mean, I would say all the time. It's not uncommon when they look at audience polls. Mm -hmm. If there is a particular character that's very well received and a side character, they bring them forward and vice versa. If there's a character who's simply not polling well, Nobody likes this character. They either reevaluate that character or they drop the character completely. I guess an example that comes to mind, I know there are tons of these, but two obvious ones, at least for me, that come to mind is one was the little boy they brought in on Married with Children. Mm-hmm. And everybody, I mean, Seven. Yeah, yeah. everybody hated the kid. I mean, not the kid personally, but they didn't like the kid as part of the show. It kind of broke up the flow of the show and the feeling of the family. And so one episode, the kid was there. The next episode, the kid was not. 
and they never explained it. I, as best as I recall, yeah, I think last episode, but they just didn't deal with it. It's just they they pushed this kid out. Family Matters did that too. They had one kid that just season one they had a uh, another kid and then it was gone. Something that uh is kind of on the opposite side of this is in the original writing of Mass Effect. As of Mass Effect one, Cerberus was a throwaway group. It was just kind of a random, undeveloped plot bad guy. And the artificial intelligence that was on the moon that you fight in the original Mass Effect game was a throwaway plot point. In Mass Effect 2, they came back to that and made Cerberus a far more developed group, got a an A-list celebrity to voice the guy who was the head of Cerberus, the elusive man, mm-hmm. and they sort of retconned that the AI that was on the moon was a protoform of the artificial intelligence that became Edie, which became a major character in Mass Effect 2 and 3. Harley Quinn was a throwaway character. Harley Quinn was a throwaway they character. Wanted to, they wanted to say, what does a female henchwoman look like for Joker? And she took off and became had more episodes, more episodes, became her mm-hmm. own character, and surpassed the Joker's popularity, I think. Yeah, another one that I can think of who got sort of changed up if I'm remembering the actress's name right, so on the, the CW show Arrow, the original character they had playing, they've got like 15 Black Canaries on there. <laughs> yeah. But one of them, I think it was Laurel Lance. I think the actress's name is Katie Cassidy, I think. And as best as I understand it, she wasn't really enjoying the role and the fans really weren't too hot on the character. And so they wrote her off the show for a little bit, but they have now brought her back as a same actress playing even the same person but she's now from earth 2 and it's a different character so it's like the same person but she has a different personality because she's from earth 2 it's i guess you could say it's kind of like the superhero versus power girl thing except in earth 2 she's actually a villain instead of a hero but the point is that they took the character retooled it and then kind of brought it back even with the same actress so these are concepts that are not unique to role playing you can see them across other forms of fiction where characters get expanded, reduced, or changed on the fly to fit what the audience wants. Your table's your audience. Right. The other uh, side is you also have the concept of a camp follower. So in your situation, you may not have that as because resources are scarce. You're not mm-hmm. going out and looting dragon hordes, right? Mm-hmm. But in a Not fantasy, yet. well, okay. <laughs> when you start I showing dragons for you, about this, <laughs> wait till right. you find the genetically engineered dragon. Right. Well, that's a possibility. Yes, um, but uh, with gold hordes, I mean, I don't don't know. Know. if you can I afford guess. a genetically modified dragon, <laughs> yeah. Well, just as a just as a guy, they had one guarding Fort Knox. Mm-hmm. There you go. If you think about it, there's camp followers that happened in in many fantasy worlds, and there are a ton of books that I've read that have had camp followers. Whole small camps that followed the main characters plot lines or either as part of a, uh, a military party or as part mm-hmm. of a, you know, whatever. But the party is like this core group of five or six or 10 people, whatever the story comes up with. But then you have a ton of people that are near them. They aren't part of the story until they're needed. They get brought in. They're known, they're named, they have a story and a backstory, but they may not be the primary person for a, months well, and then all of a sudden have, they get brought in for something there was a character so. just like that in the dragon age games it was i can't think of his name now but it was the uh dwarven shopkeeper who had the son he adopted was it his actual son who was like mm-hmm. and i'm not making fun here it's literally what he was he was like low functioning autistic 
but he was oh, like, yeah. his splinter skill was he was really, really good with runes. Right. And I can't think, think for the life of me now what the character's name was. If, if you play Dragon Age, you should probably know the character I'm talking about. But he pops up as a shopkeeper who just kind of keeps popping up in weird places. And then by the second Dragon Age game, he's basically following your party around. Mm-hmm. And by the third game, I think he's dead. But I think if I remember right, you can get his son. I, I think his son is still yeah. there. His son, I believe you can get to be part of your party. If I remember right, or, I, or at least he follows your group. Yeah, or he something. at least joins the people at the keep if he yeah, doesn't join right. the party itself. So, looking at sci-fi instead of uh, fantasy, look at any of the BattleTech games that you run. Mm-hmm. You've got the whole crew of the dropship. You've got the the cooks. You've got the uh, crew of the actual jump ships themselves. I know you've got them named and in the background, but they're only there when they're needed. But yeah. those are unimportant. Yeah, I think those Periphery. are more peripheral. Yeah, NPCs. they're functionary NPCs. You can you can do what I'm saying is though with the camp follower idea, whether it's sci-fi or fantasy or whatnot. There are characters that I've seen in many stories where they are fully functioning PCs with tie-ins. They just don't get talked about on a regular basis. And, There's conversations well, I, going. I, on. What okay. I've seen that, with that though in role-playing games is if the characters are not interacting with them on the regular, they fall by the wayside. Yeah, they, there's mm, no yeah. emotional bond there. And I think the emotional bond is really what sets it apart. Like the jump ship navigator, nobody cares yeah. about them. Now the jump ship captain, maybe if or, you get to role play with. In them. our case, forget all of those. The cook is actually the one we interact with right. because that's us. And, and again, there's an emotional bond that that's the important part here. Is if the characters or the players are actually caring about them. Because mm-hmm. that, that actually was making me think of something else, too, of, okay, you've made a decision, nobody adopted the character, players don't really seem to hugely care about it, and it's not 100% important to my plot. So what do you do with the character? I would recommend not killing them. And I, I recommend that for a couple of reasons. One, you always want to have a little ace in your hole there. You always want to have this card yeah. that you mm-hmm. hold, that it's like... My guys are in a jam, or my plot's in a jam. And I can say, hey, you guys remember this dude? Well, he's going to lend you a lifeline. I'm like, oh, yeah, that dude. And maybe the, their stock rises a bit. The second reason you don't want to kill them is because nobody will care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is kind of sound and fury signifying nothing. Nothing, yeah. yeah. It's like death should be impactful because I'll tell you guys a secret. Death is really impactful. But if it's somebody you don't know and don't care about, I mean, open up the obituary in your paper that aren't published anymore and look at a random person and read their obit. Does that move you? You're not a bad person if it doesn't move you. It's okay because everybody dies. But if it's somebody you know and care about, well, suddenly you're moved. And that's how you should kind of treat that. That's why you shouldn't kill unimportant NPCs. You should save that tool in your toolbox. That's a that's the sort of tensioning tool. It's a it gets the party motivated. It can get the party going. It can get it can galvanize the party. But Joe, the NPC whose name last name they don't know and don't quite remember why he was part of the group in the first place, it's actually kind of a relief to be honest because now there's no that awkward goodbye and you know <laughs> they don't have to think like. You know, I haven't really talked yeah. to Joe in well, five they're games. They're going to loot his body. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, especially if it's a shopkeeper. Yeah, uh, they're absolutely. They're just going to loot the body. I, I agree. It's it's a 
otherwise powerful event mm-hmm. that you're throwing away on a non-event. Yeah. And so I would say, yeah, just move the person to the background, have them stop following the party, disappear to another town, go off on their own, whatever. And I would even say, don't do the goodbyes. Because if you think about it, a goodbye is like a death yeah. in its theme. That's a social know? death. It, I mean, even the phrase goodbye is God be with you. Right. I mean, if you look up the etymology of goodbye, it is a slurring of God be with you. That's where it, it came from. And like with death, death is impactful and important. A loved person who might be an NPC who is leaving for whatever reason, that's role play. Joe, whose last name we can't remember, leaving, duh, that's not a yeah, long goodbye. It's a bye, like, Felicia. You know, yeah, it's like, well, his back's turned to me. Can I pick his pocket as he goes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... Unless he does the whole jump in front of a bullet for you at the very, you know, in, in a tense moment God, or something. even, even then, then I wouldn't do no? it. No? No, I wouldn't. Do you have a martyr? I, I absolutely would not do it because a martyr, you have to care about him. A yeah. martyr is all marketing, right? Yeah, sure. So a, a martyr jumps in front of a bullet and if it's not reported and if it's not lifted up and if nobody's talking about it if you care though yeah it's like holy joe whose last name i do know Hmm. oh my Hmm. god he died for dan he died for us he died for the party (laughs) we're gonna get some goddamn revenge yeah joe whose last name i don't remember is like oh i'm taking his wallet (laughs) (laughs) stay a while and loot me right (laughs) So the third way that I think you can keep an NPC around is by tying them not to any particular character, or maybe in addition to a character, is tying them to the plot. Let's go back to our D&D game we're imagining here, and I threw a line out earlier I'll bring back. What if the second-level paladin understudy you find out along the way is the adopted ward of the big bad? Doesn't agree with the big bad, doesn't like the big bad, isn't on the side of the big bad, but the 35th level evil wizard who's about to ruin the world cares profoundly about the welfare of the second level paladin and whatever. I mean, this person now matters to the plot. You know, this person now has an impact on the plot. In the case of the Skies of Glass game, you guys now have an artificial intelligence that has control. Don't tell us. Of a, well, I'm only going to tell you what you know has control of a really, really sophisticated thing. I don't know yeah. what it has control of. Don't tell me. I was going to use the adjective techn- technological All facility. All that yeah. yes. Technological <laughs> facility was the phrase I was going to use. I'm not going to spoil anything. Yeah. But the point is that... I mean, I'm thinking of Caleb here. Okay. Oh, yeah, you don't want to spoil it for me. <laughs> but the point is that, you know, you know this. Mm-hmm. You know that she has importance to the plot. You know that there are NPCs who have worked very hard to either keep her alive or kill her and to get her to where she wants to go or to prevent her from getting to where she wants to go. You know these things. That's a plot element. I would have to resolve her story at some point to give this game an ending. Mm -hmm. Even if tomorrow you guys wrapped up all the other plot lines and we ended the game and I stopped right there, I have no doubt one of the first questions would be, so what happened to Emma? Right. Yeah, that'd be my first question. It's it's a plot line now. It has to be dealt with. And you can choose, and I think, Chad, when you said keep them in your back pocket, you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. One of the nice things about NPCs you don't kill off <laughs> is you can at any moment be like, you know, 
I need somebody who could fit this role or have this knowledge or have these skills or have this relevance to events. And the players nominally trust them. Yeah, or at mm. least are aware of who they are. Right. I don't have to invent a new person. There is at least some history there. Mm. I can bring this character to the forefront. I can turn them from a throwaway into a major player. Let's go back to the, the NPC's marketplace example here. Fat Tony was a throwaway. Yeah. You have a choice of using one of your pocket NPCs that they didn't care about, that at least you have an in with, or marketplace of NPCs. You got to guzzy up a totally new NPC, and you have to make them interesting enough that the players will hook into them. They already have an in with the other guy. So at least you got that going for you. If you've never ran a game and you have an ensemble cast of NPCs, it is brutal. It is brutal. You have to not love your NPCs because they live and die metaphorically, sometimes literally, based on on PC interest. If your players aren't interested in an NPC, you can't keep shoving it down your throat no matter how important it is to your little unimportant plot or how important it is to you because you like them. It is a marketplace. You put out NPCs and the players latch on to them or they don't. If they don't, you take them at, out back behind the woodshed. And they're probably not going to latch on to a mute character. Right. And I'm probably not going to care to keep running the mute character. Did you have a mute character recently? Yeah. The professor's assistant in the... Uh, uh, Hollow Earth game. I not only don't know his last name, I completely forgot his first name and exactly. forgot his existence entirely. <laughs> he has completely <laughs> faded into the background to the point of, I just... Why would you ever use a mute character? <laughs> a role-playing game is 99% talking! <laughs> no one should ever run a mute character! Well, somebody's well there, was, there was a role-playing exercise that uh, they did. Was it was it Jenny that did it, wasn't it? Yeah. At a con one year that actually was pretty cool. Yes. Where they had to invent a form of communication at the table. Well, and the but, entire but, game and sure. the rule system were geared towards Toward that, that one shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm, were, but no, I agree. 99% of the time, a mute character is a really bad idea. Unless you have a bunch of ASL people. Right. Yeah, if you've got a whole... <laughs> but, okay, get this. I'll argue that's not a mute character. That's yes, true. it is mute in the fact that they are mute and cannot speak, but it is not a mute character conceptually because they can communicate. Yeah, true. Well, we also, of course, doing an AP. Have to be careful with that because yeah. we have a lot of. Well, that's the problem with the real game. Is that we it's do all the, no cards? Then we do yeah. a thing called the real game where we write down secret note. I'm stealing Wayne's character's wallet. And I pass it to Dan. And then he passes me a note that says, roll two dice. And I pass, I'm like, I point at the dice and he gives me a wink. And it's just like an hour and a half later, Boone, your wallet's missing. Dun, dun, dun. And <laughs> from a listener perspective, here's what the listener hears. A clattering of dice, snickering, hour and a half later, where's my wallet, guys? <laughs> And there's no context. I mean, in the same same uh, vein about uh, somebody who, does, who doesn't speak the same language as the rest of the party, right? You know, oh, you yeah. have the same. So any the, the lack of yeah, the lack of communication line definitely hurt, harms that. So, and this is probably partially my fault. That was a huge railroad tangent going off the tracks there about communication. But I do have one other point of how adopting NPCs can go bad, and what I've seen is how can I describe them? The mother figure. 
This is the person who has the shepherd's crook, and if it's an NPC, they are <laughs> adopting them. Every NPC you put out, no matter how unimportant, no matter how important, no matter how evil, no matter how good, they are brought into the fold. And they become attached. This person gloms to them and pulls in all the little lost sheep they possibly can. Well, or you get the kingdom builder. Yeah. You get somebody. I mean, for whatever reason, I guess it works out the same. I need a shopkeeper in this kingdom I'm making. The shopkeeper. Or... Is now mine. Yeah, you know what? Everybody is a hit die that can trip a trap. Yep. So let's add them to the entourage. Yeah. Uh, we'll pay them, you know, some tiny dividend of the gold we get in order to stick with us. And yeah, pretty soon. The mother figure finds the flaw that is in every NPC, because all good characters have a flaw, and she wants to save them. Yeah. And therefore she... Let me give you a video game example. So, Chad, I know you have... But Wayner Caleb, did you guys play uh, Metal Gear Five: Phantom Pain? <laughs> no, I skipped the Metal Gear Five. Okay, so it was a very, very bizarre game. I stopped long before that. A third of it was missing. Literally, it's two thirds of a game. But with the two thirds that are there, are fun. Mm-hmm. But I don't even like Metal Gear, and I like that game. But one of the things you could do in the game is you are building your own like little mercenary empire from scratch. Mm-hmm. And you have a facility you can earn money and build up, and you have specialists and research centers and hardware and whatever. And when you go out on a mission, in addition to stealing equipment for your mercenary company, you can also abduct, or you, if you knock a person unconscious instead of killing them, there are ways you can set it up so they will be recovered and then taken back and added to your mercenary core. The moment that became possible, like when they first gave me that ability in the game, you want to guess how many people ever died in a mission? Holy crap, <laughs> it was the it was the nerf mission of mercy <laughs> from that point forward. I mean, Gandhi was a much more violent man than I was. Everything, every piece of artillery, every NPC, every bunny got it literally, because you can do this with animals as well. We've got a balloon strapped to its back and picked up by a waiting plane or helicopter. <laughs> you want to guess when I went back to base how many of those you could actually role play with in ways that were any more meaningful than half a dozen pre-scripted generic lines? I'm going to say none. Yeah, the answer is none. Yeah. And I pity the GM, whether it's a mother figure or an empire builder or whatever it is, who has to keep track of the fact that your party has suddenly gone from a GM and three-player characters, and maybe one or two NPCs, to now suddenly you have 120 people. Yeah. The Mega Adopter is usually, like you had mentioned, there with an agenda. In my example, the person I know who does this, they are trying to solve everyone's problems. So the problem comes in, you have 120 NPCs all gathered in one safe place where they can never be hurt again, and <laughs> most of their energy goes into making these people safe. Which it was like tower defense, the role-playing game right. would work. Well, mm-hmm. and now we have to talk about your problems. Oh, you're in a bad relationship? Well, let me help you with that relationship. Oh, you have a drinking problem? Well, I'm going to spend 90% of the game helping you with your drinking problem. And all the little flaws that I put in all the little NPCs to make them more real, these are now problems and obstacles to overcome and solve. And it's like, that's not the game. That was never the game. 
I like the enthusiasm, but oh my God, this is boring and this is only a single spotlight, single person thing. Same thing with your example, too, of the Kingdom Builder, where the game is to go talk to the godfather of this level two paladin apprentice that we've adopted to defeat him and all the evil he's doing. Except Wayne the Bard here is making an entire village because... I don't even know why. And so every single shopkeeper, scullery maid, town guard, he talks the town guards into leaving their crappy mercenary unit they're with and uses his dragon horde treasure to hire them so he has town guards for his town. Yeah, He starts investing money into his town to make all the shopkeepers of all the surrounding towns want to go to his town so they can make more money so he has more shopkeepers. So he's building this town. Thing is, that's not what the goddamn game's about. <laughs> and you're taking it so far and so hard, that's all we do now. Yeah. So and, you're wanting to play Kingdom Tycoon there. Right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've run into some similar situations in my past where you've had a town where the you know you basically liberated this yeah. castle and you end up getting it and all that kind of stuff. One of the things that I tended to, to look at was if you had something like that where you got this whole... Well, I'm going to solve all the problems and make this the mm-hmm. most wonderful thing ever. Is a you could pull the players away from it with plot, yeah, like pull them completely away from them, uh, so that they have to leave that managed by someone else. Or b, every single person they're trying to save runs away essentially yeah. because they're you become a, either a codependent relationship. Yeah, they do fix the problem probably of maybe one or two people. But you're, everyone else is not going to really, you're not going to fix everyone's problems. They get to the town drunk, and the town drunk is like, you know, I really like being drunk all the time. Yeah, so It's kind of my yeah. thing. So you're either going to be codependent, because <laughs> yeah. you're going to be trying to help him and giving him money, and he's just going to spend it on booze and just yeah. you know, laugh it off. Or he's going to be like, you keep putting me in, the, in this room and, dry, and making me dry mm-hmm. and trying to cut me off from my alcohol, so I'm going to you know skedaddle yeah i'm gonna leave yeah how dare you yeah who do you think you are and then if the actual pc starts going to try to collect them and bring them back and then you're yeah. talking about a whole other situation there right <laughs> i remember in a battletech game we had kind of that happening of we built so much around us that we had the question of why would we ever get in our mechs and go deal with anything so, so here's the thing with battletech you have to understand and it, this is the big dark secret of battletech that no matter if you're playing uh mech warriors no matter what you do or what you say or what the plot is, if you play across a long enough timeline, the end game is you have enough money that you hire other people to fight and die for you. That is every single last Battletech game. Well, one of the nice things, though, at least about that particular flavor of kingdom building, and I guess you could see this really in any game, it's not just a Battletech thing, is sometimes what you're trying to build is a power base that gets turned into a mechanic Yeah, that they don't become front and center of the plot. So let's take a D and D kingdom builder and they've accrued enough money from the dragon's horde that they were able to buy a small plot of land and they send a blacksmith there and they send a tanner there and they send a bunch of farmers there and whatever. Truth be told, they're really not looking to interact with 99% of these people. What they're trying to know is that they have a town somewhere that has Europe Pimp Day to celebrate this character. (laughs) And maybe every so often there's just a jingling noise in the background where money appears in their purse from the town's taxes. And 
Battletech, I think yeah. I've seen a lot of it the same way where people are trying to build up staff, not because they want to retire, but because they want to be able to say, well, now we have special forces that can go in and take down the enemy's comms array to give us a perk in this battle. Yeah. And fortunately, Battletech, like other games, D&D included, has rules for abstracting that kind of thing where you can do some quick rolls to see, okay, well, what happened with the flanking force over here, even though in truth, well, that's not the story you wanted yeah. to tell. And, and some games are, are like that. Where... You wanted the dropship, not the 20-man crew. Yeah. Well, and, and, and there's a lot of games that, that are built around that. You know, we play D&D games where it is, like you said, mm-hmm. you run a game where you take the castle, and now you have a castle, and that's kind of the game, or at least a big chunk of it. But the problem comes in with these ultra adopters when it isn't the point of the game. Yeah. They just gather everyone around for a variety of different motivations. And really the problem is twofold. One, that's not where the story is, but two, it's such a singular activity. Everyone else is about the adventure and going off to see the Godfather, who's the paladin kid and all that sort of stuff, except the one guy, well, I've got to build my town. I've got to help the town drunk. Well, we can't leave. Little Timmy here doesn't have a mom anymore, and I need yeah, to spend three well, hours role-playing with them. I think also if you've not shuffled them off somewhere, so you're not Well, doing... guess what? Timmy just got the TB and is dead. Well, Way to go. It, it comes up with, like, okay, a bunch of orcs attack the camp in the middle of the night. Well, out of curiosity, where are 65 camp followers and broken toys? Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you guys have that right now. With mm-hmm. it's, I mean, anytime anything happens to the group, I have to figure out what is the doctor doing, what is Peyton doing, right. what what is mm-hmm. too many. Yeah, I mean, it's I've got to pare it down. So, all right. Well, I think that's where we're going to wrap this one up. Be sure to check the show notes. We'll have links once again to the Discord stuff if you want to go and get involved or at least express interest in some kind of an online con this year. Uh, we will have a link to Gamers Table as mm-hmm. we mentioned them. We'll throw out a link to Gaming with Gage. I appreciate him yep. and Eric and at Alia helping to sort of flesh this topic out. And I don't know, whatever and, else it is we mentioned, I'll link. And I want to mention one quick piece of news to the Destiny 2 clan, which is organized through our Discord, is still going on. And if you were interested but just didn't join the first time around, now is the perfect time to join because they just started their second season for this year so a lot of stuff got reset all of our clan stuff got reset we got it up to to clan level four out of six i think we are getting some new players who are joining in because of the new season you know they're about to do a big expansion to gambit yes yes they well the new season dropped today as we were recording this and that's how much I love Fear the Boot, is that I didn't call off Fear the Boot and just play Gambit all day. <laughs> I came here, which I'm going to go home and yeah. play Gambit. But like I said, Destiny 2 clan, we're not huge, but the players we have are very rabid, and this is the perfect time to start a new character and start the new game. All right, cool. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2019. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy network of shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.